All right. <clears throat> I guess for the sake of a jumping off point, as I get settled up here, go ahead, take your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9 tonight. So 1 Samuel chapter 9, obviously we're not going to read the, the whole chapter. I'll get there in a second and then we'll pick a verse and read it and sit down. <laughs> well, let's see here. This is a, kind of a, a teaching, <clears throat> preaching type deal tonight, but uh, very simple in nature. Um, let's just read verse number 27. The Bible says, And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still, in, in a, uh, still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you, Lord, for letting us be in church tonight. Lord, thank you for allowing us, uh, Lord, the privilege, uh, Lord, to be singing in here and and still have some freedoms, Lord, and, uh, and have the ability to work and, and uh, support missionaries and, and just be a part of a local assembly, Father, in these last days. Lord, it's a privilege, Lord, to be a Christian right now. We pray and ask, God, that as we get in the Bible tonight that you wash us in the blood of Jesus Christ. Help us to have ears to hear and hearts to, to receive, Lord. I pray, Father, that tonight you'd anoint my mouth with the blood of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God, that I might not say anything harmful or hurtful, Lord, but just something that'll help somebody tonight. We do thank you, Lord, for this midweek service. I pray, Lord, you give the folks what they're looking for tonight. Give them something. Get them through till Sunday, Lord. And we ask you now uh, to just uh, break the bread of life to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, be honest with you, this, this, whole, uh, this whole sermon tonight kind of sparked off of a, of a conversation me and Brother Levi were having the other day. And uh, during our conversation, the, the question came up. Just a simple question, and uh, probably pretty elementary, probably some of you guys' big old snooze fest tonight, but the question arose, which was simply, how do you learn the Bible? Right? Think about it, like dissect the question. How do you learn the Bible? And I guess the first thing is, is why in the world would you learn the Bible in the first place? <laughs> right? You think, well, I got saved in Jesus Christ. He saved me and everything else. So why in the world, uh, why in the world, uh, maybe, maybe learn the Bible is for preachers, right? Learn the Bible is, is probably just for preachers. Or, well, maybe it's for someone who's going to be actively teaching the Bible, somebody who's going to be in the ministry full time, and they're going to be needing to go out there and show people a thing or two, right? And so maybe that's why you should learn the Bible. But as far as just church members go, I mean, why in the world should we, you know, if you're just a Christian, why in the world should you learn your Bible? Well, when you think about it, I mean, you think about the Word of God and you think about uh, its purity and you think about what it produces in your life and you think about uh, the one that wrote it, the publisher of it, if you will. And uh, you know that uh, if, if the Bible says what it says about itself... When he says over in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that means I know a lot of people, a lot of Christians, that if you were to ask them, you'd say, well, do you love the Lord? they say, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. Right? I love Jesus. Well, what if, what if your love for Jesus was directly proportionate to how you treat your Bible? <laughs> If the Bible is the closest thing to Jesus Christ that we have tangible on the earth today, how is your relationship with your Bible? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that convicts me when I think about it. If Jesus, I mean, if, if you think about, you know, how, how we can have, emo, we can be stirred to emotions when we sing a song or when we hear an illustration or we hear a testimony or a missionary comes up here and tells us of the work that's going on in a foreign country and we see the, 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 the hand of God working amongst people and uh, that can move you to tears and you say, man, I just love the Lord Jesus Christ. And when was the last time you were moved to tears when you read your Bible? When was, the, when was the last time, uh, when was the last time you, you, you thought about a love for this book being equated to your love for Jesus Christ? 
I mean, I've heard some people say, well, if Jesus Christ were to come down and walk into the uh, back doors of the church today, most folks wouldn't even welcome him. Well, if that's the case, uh, in the case uh, of most Christians, uh, the Bible is just something you bring to church. Right? Or how about this? Maybe, maybe we just stew the Bible down or we dilute the Bible to the point where all it is is a source of emotional strength and comfort. Right? The Bible becomes, a Bible just becomes a, like a, an ambasol on a toothache. Anybody in here ever use ambasol on a toothache? I don't know about you. I was growing up, we had, we had the liquid ambasol. I don't even know if you can still get liquid ambasol. And uh, you have a toothache, and you put that thing in your mouth, your whole mouth goes numb. You swallow some of it, the whole thing is numb from the esophagus down, right? What if we use the Bible as just, just something to try to relieve emotional pain and stress? We come to it, and we use the Bible as somewhat of a vending machine. And when we don't get what we want, we kick it and shake it and beat it. <laughs> and say, give me what I want, <laughs> Right? We come to the Bible not for the use of, uh, of, of, of just simply knowing and understanding the mind of Jesus Christ more, but to rather, how does it benefit me? It's hard. It's hard. And so, why should we learn our Bible? Well, you say, well, again, I'm not a preacher. Well, the Bible tells you you should be able to give a hope, an answer of the hope that lies within you to anybody at any time with meekness and in fear. Do you have an answer? You know what I find a lot of times with Christians today? I'm not trying. Listen, I know this is a Wednesday night crowd, okay? I'm trying to, I'm going to admonish you tonight, okay? But uh, you know what? A lot of Christians, you know how they answer people's questions now? With philosophy and psychology and some psychiatry and some of these little nuances you heard from Zig Ziglar or something stupid like that. <laughs> You know what you do? You try to, there's it's constantly, it's this constant emotional uh, uh, use. And I'm not saying that it's, it's without emotion, because indeed, I mean, if you were to turn the page of this Bible I have here or not, I've had this Bible since I graduated high school. And this Bible's been with me everywhere I go. Every, uh, one, every great meeting I've ever been in, I've got dates in here, I've got tear stains in here, I've got all kinds of things. This, this Bible's been with me all the way across the world. Let's walk through the slums of Africa with me. <laughs> and you think about it, and it's like, how much of it do I know? How much of it do I know? So when I was, uh, I was in a, some networking group, which I hate networking groups with a fiery passion, but I was in one a long time ago, and there was this lady, and her whole business was preparing people or preparing young people going from high school into college. And I one time talked with her for a little while, and I said, so what is it that you do? Well, she, she said, we help them, we help them uh, you know, uh, uh, find the right college. We do assessments of what they want to do, helping them find a career path. We help them, uh, uh, help them apply for scholarships, and, and we, help with, we organize all the, the campus trips and all that kind of stuff. But another thing that we do is we offer courses to these individual students that basically is preparing them for the workload of college. And I said, so what you're telling me is that these students are going to class in a classroom setting to simply learn how to go to college and learn. <laughs> she says, that's right. <laughs> You want to know something, folks? I don't know about you, but sometimes you're, you're going into something and sometimes you have to learn how to learn. You don't even know the process of learning. We come at it sometimes with our own preconceived notions of, oh, this is how I learned the Bible. Are you sure about that? Do you think maybe the Bible has something to say about how we're supposed to learn the Bible? Let me ask you this. If the Bible has something to say about how to learn the Bible, do you think there's a right way to learn the Bible? And if there's a right way to learn the Bible, is there a wrong way? Absolutely. I'm going to take a couple things here tonight. As you see here in 1 Samuel, I'd like to use this as basically just as an expositorial process. So it's not just a topographical thing tonight. But as I thought about this thing, I think about Samuel or, and I think about Saul here. And if you think about the, 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 the history of the passage... 
You know that uh, Saul's father uh, lost uh, his, his asses and he tells him to go out and find them. And so uh, Saul and his servant go out there and what are they doing? They're, they're wandering about seeking for something and they don't even know what it is they're seeking. They know what they're seeking for, but they don't know where to find it. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's my testimony. <laughs> Before I got saved, you know what? I, I think uh, I think I, I, I'm looking for something. I don't quite I don't quite know what it is. I think I know what it is, but I don't know where to find it. And you go every other way. You try to figure out where you are, and you're looking for something. And you're just I just like know what the truth is. I just like not to be deceived. I, maybe I have a, a thought of death and how to reconcile death, and I'm trying to figure that thing out. And and you're just kind of trying to figure out truth. And maybe it's not even a salvation thing. I know a lot of folks from uh, uh, testimonies that I've heard, it's, I mean, I, I was saved, but I, I just didn't know what the truth was. And I'm out there looking for the truth. And it seems like every time, every time I talk to somebody, they're just giving me some fruit loop answer. And I knew just by the way they're talking, they didn't know what they were talking about. And it's frustrating. And exactly with the situation that Saul and his servant in, they're frustrated. They get to the place uh, they get to the place where uh, Saul, he makes a, he makes a statement, and, uh, and he tells his servant, he says, listen, we need to just stop, right? We need to stop, because basically we are, uh, we're, we're looking here, and we don't know where the, these, these donkeys are at, and we need to just go ahead and turn back, because our father's going to start, you know, basically wondering where we are. That's what he's going to do. He's going to wonder where we are. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. And so he comes, he comes to his servant. And the first thing I want you to see here is that in order for you to learn your Bible, you know what you firstly need? You need spiritual perspective. You need spiritual perspective. Okay, if you, if, uh, uh, if you will, I'm trying to see here. I don't have it marked, but uh, I know it's here somewhere. <coughs> I'm sorry. He passed on the uh, Mount Ephraim, passed through, yes, 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 yes. Uh, five, yes, five. Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father caring for the asses uh, take thought for us. And then look what happens in verse 6. And he said unto him, that's his servant saying to Saul, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is honorable man, all that he saith uh, surely to pass, uh, come surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. And then Saul answers his servant in verse 7, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? And bread is spent in our vessels. There is not a present to bring the man of God. Uh, what have we? And the servant answers Saul again, uh, said, Behold, I have here a hand, uh, at hand a fourth part of a shekel of silver. That will I give to the man of God to tell us, our way. If you think about this, uh, this as far as typology goes, if you go back to the account of Isaac finding a wife, he has a servant, and the servant is told to go out, and he's told to bring a wife in for Isaac, and, uh, and we know that that servant in that story is a great type of the Holy Spirit. He's a great type of the Holy Spirit. And just in that section there, you have, you have a servant as, as, as Saul is ready to throw in the towel and says, you know, I'm done searching. I don't know. I, I, I was out here. I did the best effort I could. And at the last ditch effort, what happens is servant says, hey, you know what happened just being in a town? There's a man of God here. Why don't we go check out and see what the man of God has to say? You say, why is that significant? First Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. In order for you to read your Bible, first and foremost, what you need is you need a spiritual perspective. If you come to the Bible without being spiritually illuminated, without having the Holy Spirit as your teacher, the problem is, is you can't understand. It's impossible for you to understand the Bible if you're lost. It is impossible for you to understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit shining the light down on those pages. Uh, I was talking with Brother Rich the other day, and he says well, he has a relative, and, and she reads the Bible all the time, and, and, and she's uh, in the Catholic Church and that kind of stuff. And, then, and the, the question then comes up, well, how come, she's not, how come she doesn't see the Bible the way we do? The lights are off. The lights are off. You have to be saved. You come to this Bible, you have to understand, you can break your neck on this Bible. 
This, this, listen, if you go to the Bible trying to teach whatever thing you believe or disprove whatever it is you think you want to believe, then guess what? You'll, you'll find what you're looking for. You'll find it. Because you need the Holy Spirit to show you some things. The, the Holy Spirit, truth, is even in his name. You know what? I'd I like for you to just keep your hand, uh, keep your marker there in 1 Samuel chapter 9, because we'll be coming back. Uh, just for sake of flipping a little bit, go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse number 26, the Bible tells us, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, right? And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever uh, he said for you to do, right? Uh, so he says that uh, the Holy Ghost Okay, uh, he's going to teach you all things. Go to um, John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And I got all my stuff messed up, man. I'm looking, yeah, 1426 is, is the next one I'm going to, man. I, you can tell I try to throw this thing together, right? But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, that's what we just uh, read over there. In, uh, that's what I was reading. I was reading the wrong verse, duh. I was reading 1426, 1526. When the comforter is come, uh, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. So that means the title of the Holy Spirit is one of the, 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 the titles of, his, of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from the Father. He shall testify of me. And so the, the Holy Spirit, his title, the truth is in his title. Okay, we know that uh, based on what we just read there in John uh, 15, we know that uh, he is, uh, excuse me, John 14, is that he's going to lead and guide you into all truth. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but with the Holy Ghost teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The Holy Ghost, truth is in his name, and truth is his mission. He is, he, is, he is set in motion to, to illuminate you to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? To the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. One more verse for you over in 1 John. 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2 verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, uh, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. He says, he says this Holy Spirit, he, he is going to teach you. And listen, if you don't have the Holy Spirit illuminating your path, you can't understand the Bible. There's a couple, th there's, there's a couple things here that we're going to go over tonight, but first and foremost... And this is something that you probably already know. In order for you to understand the Bible, guess what? You need to be saved. You say, why is that so important? Because in the world you live in today, you've got a bunch of lost people trying to tell you how to be a Christian. You've got, you got a bunch of lost politicians trying to tell you what Christianity should be and what church should be. And you say, what's the problem? Christians listen to them. Christians listen to them. I was talking in class the other night. You had a bunch of people... Trump gets up and he, uh, and he, you know, in a glorious applause, gets up and he, he says, you know, people say that I'm the most popular man on the face of the planet, you know. And everyone's just like, oh, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? He goes, but I know I'm not, right? There's someone who's more popular than me. And everyone's just kind of like, the Christians are like, oh, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. He goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and everyone's like, Wah! 
It's like, what is that? A bunch of stupid people watching politics as if he's your Messiah. Unreal. You got, you got, you got people that are unsaved telling you how to, how, how to understand your Bible. You, uh, I was, I've said it before in a sermon. Uh, I just, it just uh, popped up again somewhere. I was in conversation with somebody. This Jordan Peterson guy, he's going around doing seminars on the book of Exodus. He's lost as a goose in a horse race. I mean, he's, it's, it's unbelievable. And you know what Christians do? They listen to him. You want to, you're going to learn your Bible from them? No, not, not, not. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Why? Because they may not understand what it is. Maybe they're looking at it from an intellectual standpoint. I was listening to a guy the other day. He says, you know, the Bible is just a series of mythical stories. We learn like we learn from mythology. That's the Bible. And you know what he was doing? He was advocating for Christianity, that we needed a resurgent of church in the United States of America. That was the conclusion. So, dumb Christian turns on the television and says, we need more Christians, we need more church folks in America. And they go, man, this guy, he's really in tune with what we need. And then what you didn't listen to, what he said on some backdoor podcast, is he says, oh, they're just a bunch of mythical stories. That's what he thinks about the Bible. You know, the thing that we have, you know, is a final authority in all matters of faith and practice. You know, that thing? <laughs> Mythical. Put it in with, you know, Hercules and all them other stupid things that are, you know, in, the, in, in those ancient antiquity books and all that stuff. Nothing better than that, right? Spiritual perspective. I need spiritual perspective. I need to see it through spiritual eyes. You know what else you need in order to learn your Bible? You need a sincere passion. You need a sincere passion. You know what you need? You need to want to. I thought about that. You need, you need to want to learn your Bible. You know, that's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad thought, but Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1 says, Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermittleth with all wisdom. A man through desire separates himself. So a desire to go after the Lord and desire to go after wisdom and truth and understanding and knowledge and all that stuff is hand in hand with separating yourself from something. It doesn't tell you what. He separates himself. You know, from what? Well, whatever it is that's keeping you from learning. Okay, go to back to 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9 where we read to begin with, in verse number 27, he finally he meets Samuel, and it says, And they were going down to the end of the city, and, Sam, and Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. You think about that. He tells, he says, You know that servant, the one that you can boss around? The servant that do everything that you tell him to do? The servant that you have control over, those things, that thing you have control over, you know what you need to do? You need to get rid of that. Just let it go on. Let it go on. Why? Well, okay, do you want to learn the book or do you want to control your life? Do you want to learn the book or are you going to want to separate from what you consider to be normal? Do you want to learn the book or do you want to just keep your little safety blanket? You say, what are you, trying to, what are you trying to say tonight? I'm trying to say, I don't know of a person who made a decision to learn the Bible that did not have to separate from something that was taking up time. And I'm not saying they're separating from something that's sinful. I'm saying maybe even just schedule-wise, you're separating from something to say, I'm going to set aside time in order to learn this book. And you don't do that unless, first of all, you want to. You have to want to. You want to know what I appreciate about who I'm preaching tonight is that it's a Wednesday night. You most have been at work all day today, and you're coming here. Some of you are half dog tired, and most of the time we got folks in here in work uniforms and everything else. You say, why is that? Because you said, I could just go home, take a shower, and go to bed. Amen, Brother Travis. You came in at the perfect time. You don't even know how perfect of a timing you just walked in the church. Right? He only lives a frog throw away from here. He could just go home and say, man, it's 745. Probably he's almost done. 
eh, right? And he says, well, no, probably not almost done. I'll still come to church and probably get another hour of preaching in. So he's, he, 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 can go, he can just go there. Well, what's the, what's the mentality? You folks, you made a sacrifice. You made a decision that, listen, we're going to be at church, because it's a sacrifice. It is something that I want to be there, and I desire that. And so I'm going to set aside the time and separate myself from those things that I want to control, and I need to set aside time to learn the book. He says, let the servant pass on. You know what I'm something? Uh, when the Lord called me to go to Bible college, I'd drive 24 hours the opposite direction of everything I knew uproot my whole life and leave. Go down to a place I didn't know nobody. I just showed up. and was like, here we are. You know, it's like, that's not just me that does that. You think about it. If you've been in, if you've been in school, uh, you know what you had to do? You had to uh, set aside time in order to do school. You think there was something else you could have done in the time that you were going to do school? Well, Yeah. Now, not everybody in here is called to go to Bible school. That's fine. Let me ask you this. Do you set aside time to make sure you're at church for every service? You say, you're talking to the Wednesday night crowd. I know. But you ever, you ever like, put the two together? You want to know why folks miss church services? Because there's something else that is taking that time. Now, I understand that there's times. I have to buff at this because I don't want to be like, he's just preaching on church attendance and this is just a hobby horse. No, listen, folks, I understand the occasional time where you can't be at church because of, of, a, of a certain job or, or something like that. But if you only come to like one service a week, what does that tell me about your desire to learn the Bible? He says, let the servant pass on. You just don't know my schedule. Okay. I love them. folks always talk about how busy their schedules are, and they talk to you as if you're not busy. It's like, would you like me to show you my daily calendar? <laughs> would, you like to would you like to know everything I've got my fingers in, right? And then, you, and then you talk to somebody who's really busy, and you're like, my goodness, how in the world do they function? You want to know why? Because they schedule the time to be there. You want to do it, folks... In order for you to learn the Bible, you need to sincerely have a passion to learn the Bible. you got to want it. You know, there's a time where it's like every time someone opened their mouth and they said something about the book, you're like, it was just like, it was amazing. It was just like the Lord just opened the clouds and light shone down and it was like, whoa. There was this mesmerizing, you know, thing. There was just, you were enamored with what was going on, Right? And it's like, whoa, I, I need that. I want to be around that. I, I, I have a desire to be there. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Let me show you something here. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 11, the Bible says, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. This is uh, Paul, the very meek, mild, temperate, not wanting to offend anybody preacher. For when, for the time, uh, for when uh, the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the uh, first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What did he just say there in verse number 12? He says, at the time where some of you should be able to teach other people, you're not able to. Because now you have to be taught. And what does he say you have to be taught? The first principles of the oracles of God. You have to be taught the first things. The basic things. The structural things. The foundational doctrines of what you believe. You say, what is this? This is somebody who didn't take time. This was somebody that didn't have a desire to. 
And so what happens is, is they go year after year after year after year. And then at the point in their life where somebody should be able to come to you and say, brother, sister, can you help me with something? You're like, and the Lord says, you should be teaching. I'm working on a message right now. I'm not done. It's called Pillars. Talking about how the church is, you know, built around pillars and having pillars in the church and that kind of thing. You know what? There's nothing, nothing sadder than seeing a Christian who's been saved for 20, 30 years or longer and can't articulate what they believe out of the Word of God. I know it's quiet there, and I'm not trying to put false pressure on you, but you have to ask yourself at some point, am I taking the time to learn? Do I have a sincere passion? Do I have the, do I have the heart of a student? Or do I think because now I have in life, in time of life, I've arrived at this place where I'm, uh, uh, I'm an adult and I'm a, now I'm a senior and now I should, be in this, I should be respected. But maybe you can be respected of your life accomplishments, but can you res- be respected of your knowledge of the book? If the Bible tells us right, we know that we should be able to lean on elders to teach the younger. Women should be able to teach the young women. And the elder men should be able to teach young men. Not just carnal things, but spiritual things. That's how the church works. Can we? I'm not, like I said, I'm not outing anybody. I'm just asking. Just what the Lord put on my heart, man. Just write it off. (laughs) Can we? Or will we be like this group of people in Hebrews? He says, well, you, you guys should have been teaching. But you, ain't, you can't teach. Because someone needs to sit down and teach you. I mean, you can tell them all about politics. You can tell them about what's going on in the economy. And you can tell them about this. And you can tell them about that. But uh, can you teach somebody about eternal security? Can you, hey, can you... Can you, can you teach a young couple how to get through some marriage issues biblically? Ladies, can you teach a, can you teach a, a young lady how to be a godly mother and a godly wife? Can you give them verses on it? Not just your experience? Let me ask you this. If you're a dad in here, can you quote five verses on how to be a dad? You're a business owner in here. Can you quote, can you quote some verses on how to, uh, how to conduct your business? I know it's quiet. You say, why is that? Because we pattern our lives outside of this book. And we don't realize that the book has got something to say about that stuff. Why should we learn the Bible? Because in it is the answers to everything in life. Amen. Amen. Like Pastor said before, he was going to get into my message. He didn't even know what I was preaching. You have, to have, you have to desire it. You have to, you have, to have a sincere passion to learn. Because guess what? It ain't going to be given to somebody who don't want it. He ain't going to force feed it down your throat. Amen? How did, uh, when, uh, when Elisha and Elijah had their conversations, uh, he, uh, he goes to Elisha and says, hey, you can follow me. You don't want to. He says, hey, I, I want to come after you. He's like, ah, oh, whatever, man. Whatever you want to do. I don't care. See you later. And what does Elisha do? He follows him. And he goes to the next spot and he says, yeah, you know, I think that uh, we're going to be going over here, but don't worry about it. You can stay around here. No big deal. You don't have to follow me. He says, I'm following you. And he gets down there to Jordan. He says, ah, you know, the Lord's going to take your head, the Lord's going to take your master away from you today, you know, all this different stuff. And he says, you don't have to go with me. No no big deal. No harm, no foul. I know you've been taking you a long way. Don't don't worry about it. And he says, I'm going to follow you until you stink and hit the grave, man. I want a double portion of what you got. He had a sincere passion to get whatever this old man had. And you're not, don't, don't, don't think for a second that if, you don't, if you're not sincere and you're not willing to set aside time and you're not willing to inconvenience yourself for whatever worldly activity it is that you've got going on, 
that you can't be in church or you can't do your studies or you can't do whatever it is that you've got to do to learn the book, don't tell me you haven't got time to, to devote to learn this Bible. Don't tell me that. Eternity will tell. Amen? Eternity will tell. Number three, we'll get through this. Steadfast and patient. Steadfast and patient. There in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 27, he said, Stand thou still a while. Stand thou still a while. Go to Isaiah chapter 28 with me, if you will. Isaiah 28. Again, just trying to maybe make you think a little bit tonight. Isaiah chapter 28, verse number 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Wow, isn't that applicable to the subject we're talking about? That are them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You say, how in the world do you learn your Bible? Okay, yeah, you need to have spiritual uh, uh, perception. You need to have a spiritual perspective. You need to have some sincere passion. You're going to have to set aside some time. But you know what you're going to need to be? You're going to need to be steadfast and patient. You say, why? Because it doesn't happen quickly. Amen. It does not happen quickly. You don't get saved and get a download dump of everything you need to know in this book. It just don't work like that. It does not work like that. He says here, he says, who, who am I going to teach who am I going to teach uh, knowledge? And who, and who is going to understand doctrine? You better realize it's line upon line, here a little, there a little, this precept upon this precept, and just little bits and pieces over time. Over time. Go to Romans chapter 15. How do we learn the Bible? Romans chapter 15. Verse number four. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Okay? The Old Testament is written for our learning. This book is written for our learning. We should learn it. How do we learn it? That we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Patience. Patience. <laughs> patience. It takes time. It takes a long time. <laughs> it takes a long time. I had a guy tell me one time, it was a preacher, and told me one time, he said, uh, you know what? There's only about two or three things I, I didn't understand about the Bible, and guess what? This year, God showed them to me. He was a pastor of a church. And I was like, well, hallelujah, close the book, man. <laughs> you done figured it all out. <laughs> You can write a commentary on the Bible or something so we can all get up to speed with where you're at. <laughs> right? Me and Pastor went and saw Jimmy Hood before he died. He could testify to it. We're sitting there. We go to this nursing home, and we're sitting in this room. And here he's, I mean, his heart's only working like 15%. He's sitting in this room. He's like maybe 90 pounds. He's wheeling this little wheelchair. He's sitting there eating a cheeseburger and a milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying anyway. <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there talking to him. You know what he said? He got up and like scurried over here and he got his Bible. He says, man, the Lord's teaching me something this morning. You're like, what in the world? Sucker's dead in less than a week, man. This guy's dead in less than a week. God's still teaching me something. Say, how long? He doesn't give you an amount of time. <laughs> what did he say in the verse? He said, a while. A while. You see, what we think is we think we can get it all because we got Google, right? I mean, we just, just Google the thing, right? We can just, I mean, we're used to literally having information at our fingertips whenever we want it. So, I mean, everybody's an expert in everything. That's why all y'all got opinions as much as you have, right? 
Every one of you can diagnose. Every one of you can uh, give us laws and facts. Uh, every one of you, you know the deepest, darkest secrets of, you know, the government and everything else. I mean, you know every conspiracy. I mean, you have all the information. You know who killed Kennedy. You know everything. We're used to that. But the Bible, it takes a while. It takes a while. You know what he says? He says, stand thou still. The question that I translate is, where in the world are you going? Where are you going? You know what we have a tendency to do? Hop around all over the place. Never stay in one place long enough. Always just going from here and going from here and never finishing what we start and just going from here and here and this place and that place. Jim Lynn said one time, he said, he says, uh, he was talking to, uh, he was at a blowout and he was preaching to the, to the graduates there. And he says, hey, you fools out there, <laughs> when you get out of school, he says, go and sit somewhere. Because God has a place to develop you. And if you go bouncing around looking for the will of God all the time and thinking he's over here, he's over there, he's over here, he's over there, you know what you're going to do? You're never going to learn anything. Because you're always moving. You thought you picked up something here and then you moved. And then you thought you picked something up there and then you moved. And that's how you... No, that's not how you get it. You know how you get it? You sit in the same place for several years. And you let your, your, your spot in the pew's got your little imprint on it. Amen? We'll just keep it at that. <laughs> that's your place. And you, just, and you just, week after week, little... Here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little. A sermon here, Sunday school here, special meeting here. And all of a sudden, these things that you're starting to hear in repetition, things start to click, and then this will click, and that will click. And it's like, oh, wait, but that goes here. And now the Lord, the Holy Spirit, just like makes a connection, and your brain goes like this. You're like, oh, snap. <laughs> That's wild. And then all of a sudden you're reading your Bible in your own little personal time, and then all of a sudden God brings back a sermon or bring back a, he'll bring back something that somebody said, and you're like, whoa, whoa, I never saw that before. You say, how do you learn? Yeah, over time. <laughs> it takes a while. It takes a while. I'm still learning. <laughs> I learn a lot. I know, I, know I, I get to the place where now where I'm just frustrated about how much I don't know. Amen? You say, what's the danger in trying to speed the process up? Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Second <clears throat> Peter chapter 3. Verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of, uh, <clears throat> of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, they rest um, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Say, so what's the problem? You're trying to learn too fast. You know what the problem is? Is you don't realize there's some things in here that are pretty hard to understand. Like really hard to understand. It's not all real simple stuff. Yeah, I understand, you know, we try to simplify Christianity to the best that we can, right? But you have to understand with any, with any system, there's this, there's the, 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 the macro and then there's the micro workings of a system. And when you describe it on the outside shell, it's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty simple. But then you start to get in the inner workings of it. And you know what you find out? Oh, it's pretty complex. Right? It's pretty complex. Verse 17, how do you know it's a speed thing? 
Verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own what? Steadfastness. He says you need to be careful. You're going to be swept away with all this wickedness if you're not continually being steadfast. Verse 18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Growing is a process. And growing takes time. So if you try to speed the process up, you know what you're going to do? You're going to rest the scriptures to your own destruction. You're going to try to oversimplify something that's too complicated. You're going to try, you're going to, try to <clears throat> explain things in a way that isn't taking the, totali- the, the, the totality of the Bible into account. And that's going to hurt you. So you know what you need to do? It's like, it's like, uh, it's like anything. It's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn this thing, and I'm going to learn it quick. But you can't learn it quick. There's no possible way you can learn it quick. You may be able to recite facts, but you're not going to learn the Bible quickly. A simple illustration, in the business world, if you have a guy, let's just say you have a great service, right? And you're providing a great service or you have a great product, you're selling a great product. And you know what? More people are starting to get involved with that thing. And, and you've spent all the time and the money and you're broke as a joke because you've spent all this time investing in getting this service up and running and in the format of a business and this product so that it can go to market and actually be marketable and you can put it in stores or whatnot. And then all of a sudden you start getting people to get uh, interested in it. And the first thought is, I need to market. I need to advertise so that I can sell more of this good or this service. And the more that I sell, the more money I'll make, and the happier I'll be. (laughs) But the problem is, is what happens with most business owners is that they start to scale, but they never have the infrastructure to handle the growth. And so what then happens is, is their growth makes them go bankrupt. Because they didn't have the hard skills like good client management, or how do I make sure my books are done right, and how do I keep track of all my clients, and how do I make sure that my estimates can go out in a good amount of time, and how can, because all those things, that's not the service of the product, but without those, I don't care how much you sell, you can't perform what you're selling. It's no different. It's like you trying to learn so much Bible, but your character hasn't caught up to your brain knowledge. Can I say this? You're in danger at that point. You're in danger. Your character has to grow, and your character grows slower than your brain does. It's just facts. You can't, there's no, there's no skip around. There's no shortcut. None. It's just the way it is. I know that as Americans, we hate that. If there's a will, there's a way. Surely there's a way. I can do it faster. No, there's not. There's not. You got to take your licks. (laughs) Last thing, last thing, and then I'll shut her down. You have to be steadfast and patient, and you have to submit to a pastor. (laughs) When Saul was looking, God sent Samuel, right? Back in our passage, we won't turn there for sake of time, but... Uh, when he was looking for Samuel, or when he was uh, looking for Samuel, you know what? God came to Samuel like a day earlier and told him exactly what to do. He said, here's who you're looking for. God sent Samuel, or put Samuel where Samuel should be, and got Saul to where Samuel was, and he put those two together. Why? For Saul's benefit. Because Saul was searching for something. And Samuel had what Saul needed. And guess what? If we're going with the type of the story, if his servant is the Holy Spirit, you know what happened? Through a series of events and a series of little pit stops along the way, that servant, little by little, got Saul to where he was right up next to Samuel. And then you know what happened? The servant went on. He said, I got you to where you need to be. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit's done and that's all you need is your pastor and all that garbage. Not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that the Holy Spirit leads you to a man that's going to help you get further down the road. Amen. That's what's going to happen. And it just so happens, I think it's not a coincidence, but if you take chapter number 10, you know what happens in chapter number 10 right after he says, stand still a while and 
that I may show you the word of God. You know what happens in verse 10? Samuel, he anoints Saul, and then he starts telling Saul what to do. He says, go here, do this, meet this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And you know what Saul needs to do? Exactly what Samuel tells him to do. Why? Because Samuel has been told by God to tell Saul what to do to get Saul to where he's supposed to be because God has a purpose for Saul. But in order for Saul to reach his purpose that God has for him, he has to obey Samuel. You say, what is that? It's called chain of command. It's called authority. And it's another immutable fact that you find in your Bible. And there's no outskirting it and there's no, there's no railroading it. There's no going around it. Right? One of these people, well, I don't need church. I don't need a pastor. Wrong. You're wrong. You can't do home church. And you can't do video church. Why? Because you need to submit to a pastor. You need to submit to a pastor. And why is it safe to submit to a pastor? Because the position of a pastor is clear in Scripture. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, Take heed, therefore, Under yourselves and under the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That is a that is a a verse that tells a pastor how he ought to uh, deal with his church. And what is that? To feed his church. To feed him. First Peter chapter five, verses two through three, tell him to feed the flock of God. Because he has the oversight of it. He watches for your souls. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now this isn't me trying to score brownie points. This is, this is Bible. This is just, you want to learn your Bible? You say, I want to learn the Bible. You want to learn the Bible? Okay, here's it is right here. This is how you learn it. This is how you do it. If you, try to, if you try to negate anything that I'm showing you tonight, then it's not because I said it. It's because this is the Bible tells us how to learn it, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, look, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why. And look at what he says in the very beginning. It says, and he gave. Well, who's he? Look at verse 7. But unto every one of us is grace given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he, who? Jesus Christ, when he ascended on high. And then you know what he did in verse number 11? He gave apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers. You say, who gives them? God gives them. God gave you your pastor. Is that safe to say? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So what does he tell you to do in, in in like manner? Is he says, okay. If he's to feed you, then you're first and foremost, here's really deep right here, right? Is eat what you're given. <laughs> right? Eat what you're given. See, the problem is most people think instead of them submitting to a pastor, that the pastor should submit to them. And that he somehow is uh, dictated by what the people want to hear. Or that he somehow is underneath a microfine glass or micro, uh, micro, or whatever, microscope or whatever, magnifying glass uh, of what the people perceive him to need to be saying. Well, that's not the case at all. You see the order of what he said? He says, I, God, will talk to the pastor and the pastor will talk to you, a.k.a. you see that whole thing with Moses and dealing with the children of Israel. And then you obey and listen and submit and Respond the way God speaks to you. That's the way it works. Now, the reason that that bothers some people, and anytime someone tells you to submit to somebody, the natural response is, oh. Because what is it? It highlights your own natural rebellion. 
Because the truth of the matter is, is what is submission? In order for you to be able to submit to somebody, what does it take? It takes humility. It takes humility. And you're not going to learn the Bible without humility. You know what you have to be able to do? I don't know as much as that guy. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to shut up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to listen to everything that guy says and what he tells me I'm going to do because this is where God told me to go because God's the one that ran me across his path and put me where, God, where, where he's at. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen and I'm going to absorb. And it's okay if I, if, I, if I need clarification, I can talk to him, but I'm not going to buck what he's doing. If you don't do that, you will not learn the Bible. Is that what we want to do? We want to learn the Bible, right? <clears throat> you have to understand that what you get out of your Bible is determined about how you come to it. It's the only book on the face of the planet like that. How you read your Bible dictates what you get out of it. How you approach it dictates how you see it. How about this one? If I look at it through a glass darkly, right, but then face to face, I, I, I behold myself in a mirror when I look at this thing. So if my perception when I come to the Bible is wrong, that means I view myself wrong. Not only do I view other people wrong, I view myself wrong. And therefore, I view the Bible wrong. And now I can get really, really messed up. That's why it's a two-edged sword. It can save your life through the precision of a, of a sharp utensil to help you in surgery, or it can cut your stinking head off. And your heart determines how that thing plays out. It's more than just being able to recite facts. It is a simple but yet very complicated process that takes a lot of time. And there is no quick, easy fix. So I'll leave you with a couple questions, and then we'll shut her down. It's only 8.17, by the way. <clears throat> How well do you know your Bible? How well do you know it? Could you teach somebody if they came to you? Or do you have need to be taught? Now, I'm not smacking you in the face. If you need to be taught, that's not, I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to learn. Right? We're here to learn. But if we don't know, and we've been in church for 10, 15, 20 years, and we don't know, then that should be like a, a burr in our saddle to say, whoa, I need to wake up. Like, I need to really take some time and think about this and, and make some time to learn some things. I need to cut some things out. I need to, I need to trim the fat off my life because this is important. This book is important. Are you currently and actively learning? Or are you satisfied with what you know? You got a good baseline. You know how to flip through Genesis or Revelation. You get around pretty good. Is that where it ends? Kids, you're going to have a hard time. You're getting all this doctrinal stuff in Sunday school, and then you get up and you raise in church. What keeps your whistle wet? Right? Bible school graduates, you're not pastors. I'm not a pastor, right? You don't have to learn to feed yourself. Why? Because we've got to keep learning. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. How about this one? Are you frustrated with how much you don't know? You're sitting here and you're like, man, I don't know anything. And everything, it just, you just piled it on me the whole night. And now I'm frustrated. I was down on myself before how much I didn't know. And now I'm down on myself even more. First of all, can I just say relax? It's all right. It's okay. And can I also say this? Don't ever stop feeling that way. Because if you ever stop feeling that way, that's when the problem really is there. If you ever get to the place where you're not concerned about how much you don't know. Because I'm going to tell you a secret. As far as, you know, at least from where I'm at, and then when I talk to men that are far older than me, they've been in the ministry a lot longer than I have, you know what the common consensus is? Man, there's so much I don't know. <laughs> that feeling should never go away.
So I hope that this was just really simple, but instructional and somewhat helpful. Again, not trying to be mean or anything or put too much on you. I know this is the Wednesday night crowd, <clears throat> but the Wednesday night crowd, even the much more so, are we taking the time? I appreciate you guys coming out tonight, by the way, taking the time on a Wednesday night to come. But we should be able, we should be able to take this book and we should be able to rest our whole life on it. This, this, should be, this should be a companion with us every single day. We should know as much of it, and we should be as enamored with it today as we were the first day we picked it up. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for tonight. Lord, I know it may be uh, a little bit simple tonight, maybe just a little more thought-provoking. I don't know. Try to do the best I could with what you gave me, and uh, pray, Lord, that uh, you'd help us to always... Lord, come to this book with a heart to learn, Father, to be quick, uh, quick to, to hear, uh, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And Lord, may we come to this book with a, with a mind that, uh, Lord, we, we don't know anything, Father, and we need you to teach us. We thank you, Lord, for our pastor, Lord, who's faithfully taught uh, and, and faithfully preaches all the time. And Lord, we thank you for that and pray, Lord, you continue to bring folks in that are just needing a drink of water or folks just needing some truth. I pray that, Lord, you'd bring them across their path, Lord, and that uh, they, would, they would get that refreshing here. And uh, Lord, I pray that you bless uh, the rest of the service tonight in the prayer request. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.